0: everybody, so happy to have you on this new chapter of this podcast. Um, I think that it was evident in the beginning, the first episode, that I really just put myself out there and started it the best that I could, but as time progresses, I am figuring out bigger and better ways to curate the podcast that I really love. And so in doing so, I obviously just changed the name and I changed the logo. And I also plan on changing a few other details and creating a separate Instagram account. A large reason why I started this podcast is because I wanted to really get the experience of owning something like this and being in charge of it and controlling it and being able to find my way around such a business and operation. Furthering that, I am happy to announce that I will be doing the By the Fire series. And basically what this is, is just kind of talking about relevant subjects for me. It's gonna be less of a constructive with a guest or a how-to, but more of just you know, just chit-chatting about subjects that are relevant and that I find interesting myself. This could be um, about news articles that I read, or not news articles, but I read a lot of Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, or it can be just kind of talking about a book I just read into heavy detail and what I think about it and analyzing it. So I'm super happy to announce that I will be doing By the Fire series, and this will come out bi-weekly because before I mentioned that every other week I'll be putting out like a podcast episode about either me interviewing a guest or uh like more of a how-to from me personally but bi-weekly I would like to put out these by the fires when I'm not putting out the other episodes why did I start this why did this come about well (laughs) let's just start with what's been happening with me recently. Honestly, (laughs) I am in my senior year and it is no joke. I mean, in a good way. There's so much going on. There's so many group projects. My capstone project is happening this semester, which is insane. Capstone who? (laughs) And yeah, I'm just extremely busy. But with that, I want to say that I'm extremely, really grateful for all the opportunities that I have in my life and that keep me busy and productive and going, such as this podcast. I have recently involved myself with a lot more clients for mural work and some other projects that I've been working on, including also being a bartender for The Morning Squeeze. So yeah, my hands are full and I love it and I'm taking care of myself and I'm taking care of my loved ones and supporting them and they are supporting and loving me too and so I am just super happy with where I'm at in life at the moment. My brother just got a job in Berlin, guys. I literally, I dropped my jaw. I'm just in such shock, and I'm so, so happy for him. He deserves this so much, and I don't want to get into too much detail about it, but looks like I'll be booking a trip to Berlin soon. <laughs> that's what I told him, at least. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Being that I'm so busy and really having to look at my schedule and conduct things that way. I have definitely had a few hiccups this last week and that's what led me to By the Fire series. What were these hiccups? Basically last week I recorded with my first remote guest and things went so smooth. I was so stoked to have this guest on the podcast. They're a really good friend of mine and they're so interesting and have a lot to convey to an audience. You guys have gained so much value from listening to this person. They're super cool, down to earth, but just a very productive and has such a strong mindset about life. That is someone who's just pushed their mental and physical boundaries so far and I'm proud of them and I'm happy for where they are and I wanna share their story and what their mindset is with you guys because again, it would add so much value for all of us and. Spread the wealth, baby. Anyway, so I record this podcast with them, and everything went so smooth. And then I go to edit it that weekend, which I did on Saturday. And I'm supposed to put this out on Wednesdays. I realize that I'm putting this out on a Thursday, but that's just how time's going. Quality over quantity, my guys. Quality over quantity. But I realized that our three-hour-long podcast session recording It only recorded me for three three hours and only recorded the guest for an hour and a half. Being that my guest and I are extremely busy people, I just knew it wasn't in the playing cards to get this episode out this Wednesday. And so, again, retracing my steps to why did I start this podcast, and one of the reasons was to get the experience of having to deal with real-life world problems like that, but in my own control, and so... First I was going to put out this one episode, it was purely going to be about dopamine and the effects of uh, movement on our brain, which that will come in future episodes, but then I realized that I've just been reading so many Wall Street Journal and New York Times articles that I would just do a rundown of those for this episode. And then also on top of that... Before bed at night, like getting myself situated for the next day and eating dinner, I have been playing fire pit, like the sound of a fire pit burning in my space. And it's been so relaxing and calming and like gets me to think a lot about things I want to think about in a great way and even you know, not a negative way, but you know, really reflecting on things. And so, By the Fire was just the perfect name for this. And it kind of gives me an outlet to express some other resources that I have in my life instead of just telling you guys things, which I know there's more to it, but, like, By the Fire is definitely going to be a series of me expressing to you the resources that I use in my day-to-day life. So, to conclude that, that is why I started By the Fire, and I'm extremely excited about it. So there's just so many new things happening with this podcast and my life that I'm super excited about. I'm super excited for you guys to see it all fold out and run down. And for my OG viewers right now, I am so thankful for you guys for being on this path with me and really seeing all of this unfold. And I'm so gracious for you guys to be a part of this process. Now I really wanna get into the episode okay so I want to cover three topics one is going to be about Patagonia giving away their company the second one is going to be about Tesla batteries and just what has been happening with that recently there's been some crazy stuff happening on the low and then the third one is going to be about the house market specifically luxury houses So, let's start off with Patagonia giving away their company. I think that this title or this headline has honestly taken our country by such a storm right now. Because, first of all, people are just looking for good news. You know, there's not a lot of good news happening and this is just really so brightening to our media and such a sense of... There's still hope and not even still hope in the climate and environmental change, but just like in society in general, there's still people out there making really good choices for us, especially within the business industry, which can be seen in such a dark light sometimes. Um, But yeah, it's been insane. So you have your company owner, Yvonne Chenard, which I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I looked it up multiple times, but who knows? Yvon Chouinard he's the owner of this company he is this like big climber guy he's known as a dirtbag still I mean there's stories of him still going to his friends places at this age being a billionaire and he pulls out his sleeping bag or you know he's just always dressed in like old not raggedy but just like old clothes like he's not flashy he's not like a flashy billionaire guy and he even states multiple, multiple times like It was not my intent to become a billionaire. This just kind of happened while trying to make the world a better place, which is just, you know, fulfill your purpose, guys, and success will come to to you. But he speaks a lot about saving the environment. I mean, he is the CEO of Patagonia and all, but he also speaks about recently about how he's getting older and how he's getting a lot more impatient with our world. I mean, just about the climate effects, the decisions our government is making. He, Some of his friends even say that he can be a little pessimistic sometimes, but then they decided to open up their eyes a little bit more, and they themselves are growing a lot more impatient as time goes. As we all should. I mean, time is running out so fast with our environment. But Patagonia... Is a three billion dollar business, Chenard and or Chenard Schnard? It's definitely not Chenard Trunard. I'm gonna call him Yvonne. Let's say Yvonne. Let's not use his last name, but Yvonne and Craig Matthews created a funding. It was called One Percent for the Planet in two thousand two, and that was kind of like the trusted nonprofit that they grew themselves in order to donate. of their profits to environmental causes, which 1% of Patagonia is a lot of money in the first place. But now Yvonne has decided to give away him and all of his family's shareholds to a nonprofit. That is 98% of the company. This nonprofit is called the Holdfast Collective and they preserve wild land, donate to grassroots organizations, and a lot more on related environmental causes. Uh, now, the Hold Fast Collective isn't like all of a sudden making a bunch of decisions for Patagonia and owning Patagonia, that 98%, no. They've been placed under the quote-unquote, the non-voting stock. What What does this mean? Basically, the meaning of this is that the Collective will not be making any decisions on how this business is ran. Yvonne still has a lot of big decision-making power and so on and so on. Though the Collective will, which is the non-profit, the Holdfast Collective, the Collective will be taking those profits that are now theirs from Patagonia. With the exception of money that needs to go back into the business in order to hold and maintain its quality and mission with that being said yvonne's children still stay on the payroll but again the family will no longer collect any cut or profits from patagonia itself now what's funny about this or i don't know if it's funny or not but There's a lot of speculations in the business world. Like, why is this person making this decision? There's so many good headlines. Is there something underlying? You know, people are always trying to poke the bear. Like, there's no way this guy could have made this good of a decision, like, with good intentions. Like, there must be some loophole that he's seeing that I'm not seeing. And so people like to investigate. The speculations are that, so when you're in a business, you can donate a certain amount of money, especially when you're in a multi-billion dollar, million dollar business. There's a certain amount of money that you can donate to organizations that will help you to avoid tax paying. Patagonia does not align with this at all. Why? Because the Hold Fast Collective does not qualify for such an agreement. There's They're just under a different term, and Yvonne will still be paying... million dollars of gifted taxes for this. Though let's compare it. They'll say that Yvonne was to go public with his business instead of um, donating it all to the nonprofit he would have to be paying 700 million dollars in capital gain taxes so By Yvonne giving the company away, he is essentially saving hundreds of millions of dollars. And so I just kind of want to wrap up this bit with a couple sayings that I read through this article. And one is that Yvonne has this grand goal of wanting to inspire a new form of capitalism. That definitely struck. I mean. It's easy for you to say, or to support, it's not easy, but okay, anyway. Supporting local is kind of in the sense, forming this new version of capitalism, or not new version, but just like, environmental friendly, sustainable, good for the people thing. But Yvonne is running this billion dollar company, multi-billions of dollars, and is in the limelight with all these other grand businesses that may say they're doing all this green marketing, environmentally friendly, but aren't necessarily acting on it as much as they might be saying they are, or just not acting on it at all, aka Sheen. Dear god. I don't want to get into that. But, um, (laughs) if you know me, you know how I feel about that one. But, inspiring a new form of capitalism. I mean... That sentence alone is a game changer, and he is not only talking the talk, he is walking the motherfucking walk. And then, last quote that I want to say from Yvonne is, The earth is now our only shareholder. Um, I don't know. Goosebumps. Goosebumps when I read that one, because as it should be. As it should be. Okay, now moving on to the second topic and this is about the tesla batteries okay so we are in a time and age where we are trying to do everything to still cont- like contain the energy that we use while making it environmentally friendly tesla has made huge drives towards this i mean the rechargeable battery has been just so much marketing around that and there's so much um positive effects to it but in recent events a Tesla battery at a utility site in Monterey California let me remind you that this article was posted on September 21st 2022 so yesterday this article came out Tesla battery at a utility site in Monterey California caught on fire and shut down highway 1 the Pacific Coast scenic highway and put out warnings for shelter in place nearing residents now again this raises so many questions about these batteries and it's such a bummer because there's such a positive light and a positive pathway to having green energy but as more assessment happens there is a lot of stuff that's kind of being swept under the rug with how these batteries are functioning and some of their defaults now this battery specifically that. Started a fire in Monterey, California, belongs to PG&E. At this particular location, it's located across from a 400 megawatt battery storage, which is huge. This site alone has experienced multiple, multiple of these overheating incidents in the past year or so, which in the end of the day has caused the factory and storage site to shut down completely. What's so dangerous about these batteries is that they're made of lithium ion which I'm not getting into the science of that the only thing that you really need to know about that is that they're probably one of the hardest fires to put out. Why are they the hardest fires to put out because they're extremely high in temperatures and produce large amounts of dangerous fumes hence why there was a huge um, shelter in place happening I mean Everyone is getting notifications, shut your windows, like so and so, so and so, just to make sure that no one's breathing in all these hazardous chemicals that were just um, up around, floating around in there in Monterey, California. Beautiful, beautiful Monterey, California. If any of you guys have been there, you know how gorgeous it is, and the air is so fresh, and so for there to be such a fire there, it's just absolutely detrimental to our environment and I can't even begin to go into the causes that it probably had on people's bodies alone. So again, this has not been the only Tesla battery incident. Uh, A fire actually happened last July and it started in, in an Australian Tesla battery site. It took them three days and hazmat suits in order to put this fire out. Now going back to it though, PG&E went bankrupt in 2019 and a lot of it had to do with liabilities for their equipment. Um, Just because there's so many California fires happening, PG&E just basically kept getting sued and a bunch of stuff went out and there's just a lot of liability (laughs) happening there and so pg and just has a lot going on i mean the bankruptcy really struck because of those liabilities and now the batteries that they thought would solve these problems are now also catching fire and one of the worst again lithium ion and so basically a point to take away from this whole situation is that it is clear that it is not all rainbows and sunshine when it comes to bo- producing energy producing energy of such high sorts 400 megawatts and so on and so on comes with a cost and although it's great that we have this green energy happening with batteries i think that we're all fools to just turn a blind eye to it because fossil fuels and so on have such a large carbon imp- imprint but if we can just look at uh this green marketing now and assess that situation and not just ignore it uh is going to be huge in the long run for us probably a little bit scary though hey eh, guys Alrighty, and on to our last subject the decline in luxury homes now this article is from um the wall street journal and it's an article by katherine clark but i kind of just want to give a summary and a little bit of my own spinsky on it but when the fa- basically when the pandemic first hit we all know you, you have to be hiding under a rock to not know that the housing market just absolutely skyrocketed. What was funny is actually during this time I was working under uh, the founder of the company Bon Voyage AZ which basically they take investors and the investors buy houses and the company flips the house and manages the Airbnb and gains uh, compensation from all of that for till basically the client doesn't want to be an Airbnb anymore. But during that time my boss would chit chat with me about the housing market. I mean investors would be coming in and wanting to buy a house in Arizona. They would be asking for what $80,000 over asking price and they wouldn't even be in the top five they wouldn't even be considered for um, the seller just because The house market was so insane. So yeah, there's just aggressive bidding wars and sky-high prices. It was kind of a scary time for some people and um, kind of a great time for sellers. (laughs) But so in 2014, there's this family, the Lambs. The Lambs bought their luxury home in Lafayette, California for $1.67 million dollars and then they decided to move somewhere else in California, I forgot where, but recently they decided to list that house. They decided to list the house in May, 2022. So originally they bought it for 1.67, but now they're trying to sell it for 3.95. There has been no bidding wars and no reasonable price offers. After significantly cutting the price and waiting, it has been four months and they still hear crickets. Lafayette, California, this is like a place that a lot of people want to go to and live. And so that, that was just jaw-dropping for them. They just were like, what is happening? So this time right now, compare it to this exact time last year, the market has dropped 28.1%. That is the biggest decline since 2012. What are luxury homes? Luxury homes are the top 5% of houses based on estimated market value. Now you have your non-luxury homes, which have also had a significant decline of 19.5% in the market. But luxury homes themselves have had almost 30% of a decline, which is just crazy. Um, California itself alone has been hitting these declines like no other. The sales plunges include Oakland is declining 64%. San Jose and San Diego are more than 55% decrease. And then you have your Miami, Florida, which is 55% decrease, and New York, which is about 11% decrease. Now, why such a slowdown? One... People have large recession fears happening right now. I mean, there's so much talk, and obviously data that shows a big recession is to come soon, and so people are super scared of investing in such properties. And then on top of that, we have such strong rising increase rate uh, interest rates right now. Some are also saying there's a slowdown because of the greater degree of caution for high-end homeowners. Like, they don't mind waiting it out. Um, they don't mind having patience in it. They're not just going to be like, oh, my house isn't selling for 3.95 right now, so I'm going to decrease it to 2 million. No, they, they know that they can just wait this out. They're financially stable enough. Um, and though the market has slowed down a lot, going back to them having a greater degree of caution, their prices are still increasing Um, at this time. The market sales are actually increasing 10% for luxury homes. While compared to last year, though, during this time, uh, they were increased by 20%. So last year was double the amount of uh, increased price. But still, although the market has slowed down quite a bit, the sales prices are only increasing as time goes on. So, again, as time goes on, it's basically, you know, who's going to say uncle here? I mean, uh, are they going to bring their prices down or are uh, buyers going to give in and buy these houses for what they are? Only time will tell. Alrighty, that kind of concludes my first fire pit session. I'm happy to have you guys around the bonfire with me. Um, Please look out for this upcoming week's guest. I'm super pumped to post it. I was able to reschedule with them in the next couple days so I can get that episode out next week. And I have a couple of very exciting guests, in my opinion, coming up. So be stoked. Be on the lookout. In the description below, I'm going to put some of my... My email, my Instagram account, the new Instagram account for the podcast. And thank you so much for joining me.